Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, presented by Big O Tires. I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff, and it's Monday, November 18th. That means it's game day for the Chiefs, or night game to be more accurate. You know, for the only time this season, the Chiefs play on Monday Night Football. The game against the LA Chargers is in Mexico City. I caught up with offensive tackle Mitchell Schwartz and linebacker Anthony Hitchens about this game and the last one, that devastating 35-32 loss to the Tennessee Titans, and how the locker room deals with those kinds of defeats. After a break, you'll hear from Jesse Newell, who covers Kansas. The Jayhawks are putting the finishing touches on a blowout victory against non-conference opponent Monmouth on Friday night at Allen Fieldhouse. And Jesse was trying to figure out what to write about when something happened in the last 15 seconds that changed his approach, not to mention his social media mentions. What could have happened at the end of a 55-point victory that produced a clip on Jesse's Twitter account with more than 2 million views? He'll tell us. But first, let's hear from some Chiefs. This is a team that has gone from what many believed would be a Super Bowl participant, and and why not, after last year's overtime loss to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, with seemingly the side of the ball that needed overhauling, the defense overhauled. They've gone from that to currently the Chiefs and the Oakland Raiders are in a dogfight for the division lead. And a Chiefs loss tonight would bring the Chargers squarely into the equation. Tell you what, nobody outside the Raiders' locker room would have envisioned this scenario unfolding in the division. But here we are. From a Chiefs standpoint, injuries have played a major role in the recent losing ways, including the loss of Patrick Mahomes for a couple of games. And just when the Chiefs seem to get some good news on the injury front, it's coupled with bad news. For instance, it looks like offensive lineman Eric Fisher and Laurent DuVernay-Tardif will play against the Chargers. That means a starting offensive line could be together for the first time since the first four plays at Oakland in Week 2. Fisher suffered his groin injury on the fifth play. But defensive ends Alex Okafor and Emmanuel Agba have been ruled out for tonight. And Agba, with a torn pectoral muscle, suffered last week and is out for the season, and he leads a team in sacks. The Chiefs have had other problems. The defense shows up one week, about every other week it seems, like at Denver and Minnesota. That was good stuff. And then they play the Packers, and then last week at Tennessee, oof. The Mahomes-led offense continues to be among the best in the NFL, but it's had problems with fumbles and red zone execution. And you know things are off when the special teams don't dominate. How about two botched field goals in the final 90 seconds last weekend? That brings us to tonight's pivotal game against the Chargers. So let's hear what some team leaders had to say about the team, last weekend's game, and the challenge that awaits tonight. First up is Mitchell Schwartz. He had a streak of nearly 8,000 consecutive snaps broken last week when he fell backwards awkwardly. But he was back in action quickly. So here he is, Schwartz, the team's all-pro tackle. It was such a tough game last week yeah. you know, for, for you, for everybody. And does that put any more importance on this week's game? Is there, do players think that way at all? I know fans do, but do players – is it just 1-16? Um – I mean, mostly, I would say there's still an element of, you know, we're only one game up in the division, everyone's within two games in the loss column. Um, you know, if we're 9-1 and one and everyone else is where they are, not that the game's not as important, but you're kind of sitting there, oh, you got a three or four game lead, it probably feels a little different. Um, but I think the preparation is the same. I don't think anyone goes into a game with a different kind of attitude or feeling in terms of how they prepare, but I do think you kind of realize urgency of the situation and um, you know, obviously wanting to win the AFC West. So players do look at the standings, they keep up with that and uh, kind of Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's not just a fan thing. No, I mean, you always, I mean, obviously the number one goal is to get to the playoffs. Um, 
you know, secondarily you want to win your division to do that, and then obviously if possible you want home field advantage. And so um, you kind of just need to know where you are. You can't, after 15 weeks, not know if you're 3-12 and 12 or 12-3. and 3. So um, no, I think it's something you're aware of. But like I said, I don't think it really affects the preparation or the mindset of the week-to-week. I just think um, just a general understanding of kind of where you're at, you know, at the macro level. And the injury notwithstanding, did last week's game just leave a sour taste in, in pretty much everyone's mouth? Yeah. Uh, just obviously a very weird final couple of minutes there. And, uh, you know, I don't think anyone's really been a part of a, a game like that. And I don't know that there has been to that, to that ex- extreme. And, um, yeah, I would say it's just more frustrating. I mean, as an offense, you want to end the game with the ball. And so, um, you know, we weren't able to do that. And, you know, obviously special teams, you want to kick the game when you field goal or you want to do whatever you can to kind of ice the game. Um, you know, it's a defense. You know, if you're on the field, you want to make that stop. You want to get that turnover to, to seal it. So you know, I think every group is probably looking at it and saying, hey, we had a chance to end it. And, um, you know, our, our job, you know, we didn't do that. And so um, kind of a unique case where all three of those probably, you know, feel equally, uh, you know, responsible. Right, right. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate sure. it. That was Mitchell Schwartz. Linebacker Anthony Hitchens said the ability to quickly turn the page after a difficult loss like last week best serves the Chiefs. Do some outcomes linger longer than others? I mean, I'm just wondering, last week's game was a tough loss. Yeah. Uh, for me, no. I can't speak for everybody in the locker room, but uh, hopefully I am. Uh, no. Uh, if you if you if you approach the game every week the same way, win or loss, you turn the page, you'll be all right. Uh, I mean, you can't get too high in this league. You can't get too low. Uh, I just I approach every week the same. So um, I mean, wins and losses you gotta get over within 24 hours. Um, hopefully, everyone's thinking the same way. Uh, I mean, you, you and uh, I'm not even gonna say hopefully. I, I know a lot of guys ain't because I can just see how. I mean, a lot of guys are thinking the way because of how we practice and how we're running around. Most guys would be moping around and stuff like that. But uh, we turning the page. Uh, that's last week. That was that was a while ago. Uh, but tomorrow will be a week, right? So, uh, yeah, we're, we're just moving forward. Uh, we'll get a win on the road. Uh, that's just neutral. It's not really on the road. And do our bye week and then, uh, you know, get ready to finish the season strong. But you hope to learn from it, don't you? I mean, there's some lessons to learn from, I guess, from every game. Yeah, yeah, dude. We learn from wins and losses. Uh, I, I learn I learn more from losses than wins, uh, unfortunately. But I uh, learn more. And, uh, I learn more about myself and how I can play better, how I can communicate better, and how I can just, you know, be more even killed during the whole game, you know, and so I'm not showing my emotions too high or too low, so everyone can feed off me. So uh, there's, there's a lot to learn, you know, and that's, that's the beauty of football. I, I love it, and uh, it, it builds character, and, and it, make, it makes you think about others more than yourself. Since you've been here a year and a half, two years mm-hmm. now, what, what have you noticed about this team's bounce-back ability? Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't seem to get on losing streaks. Yeah, and that's, and that's just, uh, you know, to Andy Reid and how he sets things up. Uh, he, that's, just, that's the next day mentality. Uh, you know, we lost, we won, we flipping it, we flipping it, you know. Most teams turn one loss to two, you can't do that. And he does a good job of telling us and uh, 
having us. You know, hey, we were on to the next. Uh, we, did, we didn't get this one, but you know, turn the page and get back to work. And we've been doing that uh, for two years, uh, my last year and this year. So, uh, you know, we're looking forward to getting back on the right check this weekend. And how about just a key or two against this particular team? You haven't faced them yet this year, a division rival in the Chargers. They do things well. How about just a couple of general keys about defending yeah. the Chargers? Yeah, they got two good backs, uh, receiving and running. They can do both. Uh, Hall of Fame quarterback, everyone knows, uh, and good receivers. Uh, it's the NFL. Every week's going to be tough. There's different challenges every week. Uh, this week, uh, we're going against the uh, Hall of Fame quarterback. We're going to know where we're in. Uh, we do enough uh, film. We're going to know what they're running. They just, now we just got to play ball. Uh, you've, seen every, you've seen every pitcher on defense you possibly can give them multiple times. So it's just about out-executing out on when the ball snaps. Very good. Anthony Hitchens, thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. Appreciate it. And that was Anthony Hitchens. When we return, KU beat writer Jesse Newell explains what happened in the final 15 seconds of Kansas' victory over Monmouth on Friday that got everyone so riled up. Big O' Tires is rolling out Black Friday deals now through December 8th. Get limited-time Black Friday savings on oil changes, brakes, car batteries, and more. Plus, save up to $190 on select Michelin and BF Goodrich tires when you use your Big O' Tires card. With no interest financing for 12 full months OAC. Don't miss Black Friday deals happening now through December 8th, only at Big O' Tires. For your nearest participating location, go to BigOtires.com. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Jesse Newell covers the Jayhawks, and he was at the game Friday night against Monmouth. Jesse, I was wondering... What you had on your screen after 39 minutes and 30 seconds? Um, what what you were what you were writing? What you had in mind uh, for the story of a game that was a that was a blowout? Um, but whatever it is, it it had to have changed over the last 30 seconds. Uh, interesting ending to the way uh, Kansas defeated Monmouth on on Friday night. Yeah, it probably wasn't going to be anything good, Blair. It was. Uh, <laughs> oh, it was oh no, be, no, no, no. It, it would have been very yeah. entertaining. Well, probably would have been uh, David McCormick, and he kind of went to put on a rebounding performance for the ages, I guess. 16 minutes had 11 rebounds, which is actually really tough to do when you're in that yeah. you know, that short of time. But uh, I don't think that's as entertaining as what happened at the very end of this, which was uh, George Pappas. Basically, KU was up 110 to 55. Uh, Bill Self told Tristan Aruna, his freshman guard, to pull the ball back out just to run out the clock. You know, you basically stop the guillotine. You don't need to see any more heads roll. And one of Monmouth's players, George Pappas, snuck up behind Tristan Aruna, Stole, stole the ball, dribbled down the court, put in a one-handed dunk over Tristan and Aruna, and then managed or 
proceeded then to walk towards Tristan to talk trash on him while down 53 points. And so, uh, yeah, that became the story. I told Trinity Gary, I said, yeah, I'm going to write about this. So um, thank you very much, Monmouth. Thank you very much, George Pappas. And um, this is the craziest part, Blair. I, I posted this video and put uh, the caption, here's how not to act when losing 110 to 55 on Twitter. And as of us talking right now, it has been viewed on the internet 2.2 million times uh, via that outlet. So uh, pretty crazy stuff, Blair. It became kind of a national story. It's sort of interesting that I didn't think I was saying anything controversial by saying this is not how you act late in a game when a team is trying to not put more points upon you. But I could be mistaken based off the reaction I've got out there. A lot of people saying you play till the final whistle. And so uh, I, I guess so. But uh, yeah, definitely created a lot of controversy in what was not a controversial game and what was a game that KU absolutely dominated. Yeah, it seemed to strike a nerve uh, and, and you know, you know, end of game, end of blowout game etiquette uh, versus you know playing through the the final whistle, as you said. I I saw some of those comments as well, and I I guess I understand both both sides of it. I, I think where Pappas is that how he pronounced his name, George Pappas, um, kind of where he got where it went a little wrong for him was the reaction after the dunk. You know, he did get a yeah. technical, right? He got a technical foul for. You know, for the trash talking afterwards, but I do think that you know, even with that, it, it's it was it's worth the conversation to have about end of end of game etiquette in a in that sort of game. And and to be honest, you mentioned this in your story, and you, in fact, you built some of the story around it and some of the Twitter around it. it we've seen this uh, at a Kansas game before, only it was the Jayhawks who kind of. Uh, flubbed the end of the game etiquette, and 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 Bill Self was pretty perturbed about one of his players' act at an end of a of a game that was pretty decisive. Yeah, three years ago, Brandon Green, and it'll be famously called the Dick Move, is what Bill Self called it. He also referred to it as classless. Basically, Brandon Green could have run out the clock. Uh, KU was up 16 against Kansas State and state rival. He decided to go in and dunk the ball at the end and put the exclamation point on it. And as we know, Bill Self had some um, very public spats with Brandon Green, so not a player he particularly liked. And he went off on him basically for doing that. So this seems to be almost the exact opposite end of the spectrum here. And you're right, there is some nuance here. I've been called a boomer uh, here about 30 or so times on Twitter in the last 24 hours. So I'm trying to find my blind spots here, Blair, as a 36-year-old man and being referred to that. Um, so I, I, I understand the play to the whistle crowd. I understand what they're saying. However, this seems to me a little bit different. And listen, I'm, I'm with you in that I don't like the unspoken rules of baseball and all that stuff and, and who's supposed to keep track of that, all that stuff. But but what happened here, it, it, it less reminds me of or less makes me think of a game where you play till the final whistle and more reminds me of a foot where a team is kneeling. You know what I mean? For, for, for example, a couple weeks ago at TCU, um, TCU had the ball, was up a million points against Kansas. They knelt the ball and KU called timeout. Yeah, um, that's that to right. Me, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, that to me is wrong. And KU got booed for it. And they should have got booed for it because TCU is trying to say, look, we could put more points upon you and we're not going to. And what ended up happening was TCU then said, screw it. So they started throwing the football. They scored a touchdown on their final possession and said, OK, KU, you want to take timeout? We'll keep playing. And so to me, this was an effort for KU to say, look, uh, KU is up 55 points in this game. Going to back this thing out. Again, not let the guillotine drop on your head to let the to let the head roll, I guess, uh, across the court. 
And instead, what you saw was, um, oh my gosh, uh, this guy stole the ball. He went and dunked it. And probably what was fortunate for, for George was that he didn't get taken out on the other end because as we see with baseball, some of these unwritten rules when they happen, uh, a different person instead of Tristan and Aruna might have taken some exception to this. But for me, this was the equivalent of a team kneeling the football at the end of a game saying, hey, this game's over. You know, everybody, let's go shake hands and uh, kind of stepped outside of uh, the, the realm of sportsmanship to me. But again, like I said, a lot of opinions out there and i've been told i've been wrong a lot here in the last 24 hours so it very much could be the case that i am wrong about this so both coaches addressed it after the game king rice the monmouth coach who i remember as a north carolina guard back back in the 80s um he he basically apologized for it i noticed they didn't bring uh george pappas to the to the postgame interview session and i don't know if he's i just haven't seen if he's had any response on his social media forms um and then Bill Self addressed it as well, saying he didn't he didn't have a problem with it. In fact, he's kind of spun it as a teaching moment for Tristan and Aruna. You know, be be a little more careful with the ball at all times, not just in the you know when games are competitive. But there's a way to prevent that if you're just you know halfway paying attention. So, what did you make of what King Rice and Bill Self said after the game? Yeah, King comes from the Bill Guthridge, Roy Williams school of thoughts and uh, basically coaching tree because you mentioned his North Carolina roots. And yeah, this, D- Dean Smith was his coach um, at, in the 80s there at Carolina. Yeah, I know he talked in the pregame about Roy Williams, um, you know, messaging him or talking to him this week basically after he went to K-State and said all those nice things about K-State's facilities and Bill Guthridge, all those right. sorts of things. This It honestly reminded me of a of Roy Williams' response. I mean, you know, the that's not what the program is about. That's not how we teach our guys. Uh, you know, this will be a learning lesson. I mean, it sounded kind of straight from the North Carolina playbook where this is not what you want on your ledger as a head coach. And I think if you got Bill Self, you know, with a nice cold beverage and in an honest mode, he would tell you, yeah, if that same thing happened for him, he would be embarrassed by the same sort of thing. If that's how his team acted when down 55 points at the end of the game with the team, that's basically trying to get the heck out and not have you be lose by any more points. For Bill Self, I think it also was kind of a stand-up response because if he had come out and said that is the most – unclassy thing I've ever seen in my life, then all of a sudden there's a lot of spotlight put on King Rice and Monmouth. And why do that? You know what I mean? KU on by 55, you move on. It's no big deal for Kansas. I mean, whatever it happened, you move on. So I, I think both coaches responses were sort of predictable in that regard and what you would have expected from it. Um, and you mentioned uh, George's response on social media. He actually within an hour after the game time, I put this in the story, he deleted his Twitter account. So he was obviously getting hit up by a lot of KU fans with some negative feedback, which obviously is not a great part of today's world either to have him have to do that or feel like he had to take that step to uh, eliminate his social media account altogether. But yeah, there's going to be some blowback from this. It's going to be something he's, he hears about for a while. And uh, SportsCenter tweeted about it. Like I said, my measly tweet got 2.2 <laughs> million views on it. So uh, this is going to be something that follows around George for a long, long time. Yeah. Okay. Hey, there was some other news for for KU in hoops last week, and that was the acquisition of talent. Uh, Latrell Jostle, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, Uh, a uh, point guard from Kellen, Texas, or Keller. I I don't have it in front of me. Again, I apologize for not not having that right. I I can't read my own writing here. So uh, interesting, though, a kind of lightly recruited point guard joins the KU recruiting class. Tell us a little bit about uh, about Latrell. Yeah, it's it's fascinating with him because he's kind of a guy they, they mention as, quote, under the radar and a guy that hasn't been recruited much. But I remember us talking about uh, a, 
about a month ago, Blair, about Tyon Grant Foster when they right. got him, the Juco transfer. And honestly, in the last month or so, he's completely blown up. So this is a guy that has really shot up not only college recruiting radars, but potentially even NBA radars. So KU obviously seems to have made a good decision on him. But I remember talking to you at the time basically saying, hey, with the FBI stuff that's going on with Kansas and um, you know, with all that's lingering over the top of the program, they might go after guys that you're not used to going after. This would be an example of that. I mean, this kid was basically unranked going into uh, this week with some of the recruiting services. He's a guy that Kansas was on him, and he gave a list of other schools that were interested in him. But basically, once he received the offer, he accepted it. And I think it goes a little bit back to um, Isaac McBride, who KU had for this year as a point guard, and then he decided to transfer before the season. It seems to me like KU probably wanted to fill that slot in pretty immediately, and they were maybe looking for a guy that they could get right away, get signed up, make sure they had some security in there. And... I, maybe I'm maybe I'm projecting a little bit too much here, Blair. But with all that's going to happen with Kansas basketball, we know probably in April or May of next year there is going to be some sort of announcement from the NCAA of what they decide on this case where KU has five level one violations. For Bill Self, it's probably not a bad thing to get some of these guys locked up. It's probably not a bad thing to say, hey, here's the recruiting class that I have, and that way you have that and, you, and you're secure with that, and not to have a bomb drop on your program. And then have to still go out and fill in some spots. And we know that guys like Devon Dotson, perhaps Ochai Abaji, uh, you know, are going to be gone from your program. And you're going to need to fill in some of those backcourt spots. So for me, this could be a great signing for KU. I mean, I know a lot of people have mentioned that Devontae Graham and Frank Mason were lightly recruited. And KU turned them into great players. This is a little bit different from that, I think. That uh, he's Latrell is probably a little bit further down the line than even, you know, those guys were. But for Kansas, uh, you know, we've seen this happen. If, if KU coach Bill Self and his staff feel confident about a player... They usually are pretty right with this. And the last guy maybe kind of in this mold that that went from, hey, never heard of him to, oh, Kansas is offering to Kansas takes him to, hey, he's a good player. That might be Ochai Abaji. So uh, for Kansas and staff, again, it's probably good to lock in some guys before anything potentially happens here in the spring. But uh, this does seem like maybe a little bit further down the road than uh, what they normally take in recruiting. And a lot of that might just go back to all the circumstances that are going on here behind the scenes. Okay, Tuesday, home game against East Tennessee State, and then the weekend off, they head out to Hawaii to Maui for the uh, the Maui Invitational. Is it, they've got Chaminade, I think, a week from tonight in, uh, in in that, and I think UCLA is on the Kansas side of the bracket uh, in Maui with, uh, among others, Michigan State, Georgia, Virginia Tech on on the other side. So, That'll be great. And and Jesse, we will talk to you again next Monday, setting up the Maui Invitational. A great, great tournament. Always a a, a favorite uh, tournament and, and great games early in the college basketball season. Jesse, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, Blair. That'll do it for today's episode. And getting back to the Chiefs for a moment, the five of us who cover the team all picked the Chiefs to win when we met last Thursday at Big O Tires in Olathe. We'll see how it turns out. Hey, check out the Stars' coverage of the game and the Chiefs on KansasCity.com and the Red Zone Extra app. And KU basketball coverage by Jesse Newell and Gary Bedore is available on the KU Hoops app. Links to some of the stories we talked about can be found in today's show notes. Hey, big thanks to Leah Becerra for putting together today's show. And we'll be back on Tuesday with the first international version of Sportsbeat KC. It'll originate from Mexico City after the game is a Facebook Live. I hope you'll tune into that. But if you can't, we'll have it as a podcast early the next morning. Until then, thanks for listening.